0: For exclusive podcasts and more, sign up at patreon.com slash partners
1: in crime media.
2: This week's Law & Order Marathon winner is Stephanie Collins of Bountiful, Utah. Stephanie will get a marathon decal showing she watched 26.2 hours of her favorite crime show. To be next week's winner, sign up at Podcast.com.
3: I'm Kevin Flynn with Rebecca Lavoie, Nick Capodice, and Hannah McCarthy. And these are their stories you think you know who did it but you don't know who did it law and order law and order law and order
4: it's no ordinary police procedural baby it's the f-n-o-g of police procedures baby law and order
5: law and order law and order law and order these are their stories these are their stories
3: Welcome to These Are Their Stories, the podcast about network TV's most enduring crime franchise and the real-life cases that inspired their shows. I'm Kevin Flynn. Each week, we'll break down an episode from either criminal intent, SVU, or original recipe. And today, we're looking at Special Victims Unit Season 9, Episode 14,
4: Inconceivable. What's in the cryotank? The victims. About 100 frozen embryo. Fertilized eggs. Eight cells each. Now, Don doesn't believe this falls under your purview, but those are potential children who have been kidnapped. If they're not special victims, who is?
3: (laughs) Joining me to do that is true crime author and the host of Crime Writers On and Netflix's You Can't Make This Up podcast, Rebecca Lavoie. Hello, Rebecca.
5: (laughs) Wow. Thanks for having me on the program, Kevin. It's such a surprise. I would be in
3: so much trouble (laughs) if I did not. (laughs) <laughs> and joining us is our, are our special guests from the Civics 101 podcast. It's Nick Capadice and Hannah McCarthy. Hi, everyone. Thank Hello. you, Kevin. This is an absolute treat.
2: Yeah, thanks, Kevin.
3: <laughs> so you guys, you do a, a podcast about civics. And so do you think we can learn a lot about how our government works by watching cop shows?
2: I So I, I have to say one thing, which is that I'm not generally big into cop shows Mm -hmm.
3: which is why we have you here which is why i'm
2: here uh but because you asked me to be on this show i watched a little more law and order than i usually do i did in my youth and i think yes absolutely i've got a whole page of notes i think you can learn more about what shows get wrong about our government than you can about the truth about our government but i think it's a great way to to get people interested in a In the lies and misinformation about our government.
1: And I would know so many things about, say, like fruit from a poisonous tree or how the amendments actually apply to Americans if it weren't for police procedurals, because this is where you see the things that the courts decide come into practice. So I think there is something to be said for these police procedurals. Rebecca, what's your thought?
5: Um. I think that you can learn a lot about cop procedurals from watching cop <laughs> procedurals, Kevin. Uh, I learn more about the, how the government works from Nick and Hannah every week than I do from watching law and order. That being said, um, you know, I do learn a lot about how the government doesn't work from watching Dick Wolf, but there's still entertainment value there. I'm just going to leave it there.
3: Yeah. The answer is actually no, but all right. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I want to ask uh, Hannah. Of all the franchises, which two cops are your favorite detective team? Favorite Law and Order Detective
1: Team.
2: So this is from my youth. And again I'll say, but I mean it's it's much like uh, I once had a friend who was like, really you're not going to listen to Taylor Swift? So you know more than all the hundreds of millions of people out there who love Taylor Swift. (laughs) And now I listen to Taylor Swift. So same kind of thing with Law and Order. Um, Curtis and Briscoe are my team. I had a Big old crush on Curtis, which is a problematic thing to say because Curtis was often objectified. That was part of the oh, reason. Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah, he left his former job because his uh, his female employer was objectifying him. But that's my that's my detective team. I'm comfortable with them. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Nick, do you have a favorite detective team?
1: I do, and it's not just because. So I, when I lived in New York, you would be reminded every day on the subway that Jerry Orbach gave the gift of sight to two <laughs> young New York children. <laughs> Uh, and loving the gift Jerry. Of what? Well, he gave his eyes when he died. Oh, that's he, And so, lovely. like, you're on the subway looking I you at, said you know, socks. like. No, no, he eyes. Gave yes. his socks? <laughs> he gave his socks to two young okay. New York children. Is he Dobby the uh, Elf? The gi- <laughs> but uh, Jerry Robach was a wonderful New York City and Broadway star whom I loved seeing in bad musicals where he'd things like, She Likes Basketball. How about that?
3: An actual musical. Uh, so Briscoe and Green
1: is my pairing. That's that's kind
3: of original recipe. Who I grew up watching and who I liked. Right. And guys, of all the franchises, which two comps are your favorite prosecutorial team?
1: Favorite line order, District Attorney
2: prosecutorial
3: team.
2: Hugh Dancy is new on the show. He is playing Nolan Price with Samantha Maroon as his uh, other ADA. And. I love a few things about this. I just love Hugh Dancy. His American accent almost sounds like an American accent. Right. Almost. Yeah. Almost. Almost. Yeah. almost. And it's really fun to watch him try so hard not to over-enunciate. It's a blast to watch. Um, and his wife, Claire Danes, was on the show as a teenage murderer when she was 14. So that's a nice, like, meta thing going on there. Oh my God, there. best
5: ugly crier ever, Claire yeah. Danes. Yes or no? Oh, 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 the way her
2: chin, like... You know, I I used to practice it in the mirror. My so-called life is like canon for me.
1: Nick, what about you? Uh, I don't know if any of you grew up in the era of the VHS where one day you would just watch the end of the movie and suddenly you'd find like someone had recorded a TV show and you're like, like, you know, 20 years ago. I was in college and I was like, what's on after uh, Midnight Cowboy on this tape? Uh, (laughs) And it was an episode of Law & Order Uh, called Refuge. It's an episode... It's a a cliffhanger involving the Russian mafia. Right. And uh, I was like, what is this show? This is fantastic. Uh, And who is this man? Who is this character? Jack McCoy. It was the first time. Mm -hmm. I was like, "And how can he manage to get through the day with that much raspiness in his voice? Clear it out, Sam. Uh, And he works with Abby
3: uh, Carmichael in that episode.
1: And I was really impressed. That was my favorite. And then I watched him after
3: that. Solid choices. Were you surprised at how... uh how Sam Watterson's head will just sort of like start bobbing. Like, yeah, I'll
1: ask the he questions around it. here. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like the raspiness comes from the bobbing and he's kind of shaking the words out. I would agree with that. <laughs> All, right.
3: All right. Let's take a look at the first half of this episode Special Victims Unit, Season 9, Episode 14, Inconceivable. All right. So we will start at Hudson Cryobank, a woman dressed. As a medical technician is escaping with a cryotank filled with 100 frozen embryos, the brass wants the elite unit on the case because those eight little fertilized cells are the specialist victims of them all. Well, it's not like somebody stole their hubcaps, Elliot. Do you know what they went through to get those embryos?
4: You know, I don't. I kids the old-fashioned way.
3: Well, some people aren't as blessed as you are.
4: Uh Fiorello red flagged a couple of clients whose embryos were stolen as trouble cases. We'll go talk to them.
3: We'll take the clinic. In three days the liquid nitrogen will evaporate and the embryos will die. So which infertile couple would want to kidnap the embryos? Benson and Stabler quiz a fighting divorce couple looking to head off a future child support case. Finn and Chester Lake interview a dwarf who's arguing with her doctor about little person sperm. They even talked to a couple who's been, wait for it, giving estrogen to their severely disabled eight-year-old daughter so they can harvest her eggs for implantation in the mom. Yeah, it's crazy. What did I say? (laughs) Olivia makes a connection with Ava Schnitzel. She had her eggs frozen before her cancer treatments, which made her infertile. And if they're not returned, she'll never have a chance to have a baby. Meantime, religious zealots James and Victoria Grawl call the cryobank a death camp because the doctors will destroy uh, any unused or inviable embryos. Instead, I guess, of, you know, jamming 15 fertilized eggs in a woman's uterus and hoping she doesn't explode. Reviewing the video, Munch, says, uh, Munch sees that the egg burglar disguised herself as a janitor the night before and waited for her chance to steal the tank the following morning. The actual janitor says that he he was put up to it by Carol, the receptionist, who was put up to it by the Grawls, who stole the embryos to make a political point with only 12 hours before the liquid nitrogen runs out. Liv and Elliot arrest the couple. So I feel like this is you could have Stefan from Saturday Night Live. come He'd be like, 100
5: percent. This episode has everything. This episode has everything. everything.
3: Stolen embryos. Paraplegic egg donors. (laughs) dwarfs (laughs) dwarfs <laughs> Dan, Cortez. <laughs> Dan Cortez so um, we do start at uh, this the cryo bank here we start with the guy showing up thinking that he is certainly going to make a lot of money on his gentleman's relish
1: you advertised in my alumni magazine for Ivy League sperm it says it pays up to $50,000
5: that's for egg donors
1: what about the boys
4: <laughs> $100 per collection
1: that's a big pay gap. Sexist, really.
4: Your procedure
5: is
3: much simpler and you perform it yourself.
1: Well, since I'm here,
3: I... <laughs> uh, well, now we must acknowledge that this is the Hudson Cryobank, which is not connected to Hudson University, but that douchebag certainly is. We
0: are Hudson, where the bad guys go to school. <laughs>
3: Man, it stung when he said he was uh, putting his communications degree to good use.
1: That was a total dig at the communications
3: degree. I went to a communications college, everybody. That was
1: just like <laughs> Dick Wolf was like, oh, you know who really sucks? <laughs> Kids with communications majors and at Ivy League University. People
5: who wear sweater vests with an Argyle pattern. I mean, to really? A job interview. Yeah. To a job interview. Well, that's
2: the thing. This all starts with he's on the phone and he's t- he's bragging to somebody that he's going to a great job interview. Because God forbid anyone know he's trying to go, you know, donate sperm. It's a hand job. But interview. why do you have to let anyone know to begin with? <laughs> there you go. That's good.
5: He's just trying to account for his day somehow. <laughs> like, yeah, someone has to know he's busy. <laughs> like, he can't just tell people he's like, you he can't just tell people he's doing nothing. Like, I'm doing something today in my sweater vest. Something.
3: I'm gonna make fifty thousand dollars from all this. The pay gap
5: thing, though. I got to appreciate his feminist
3: thinking. <laughs> 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 so, uh, but on the way out, this is the guy. He gets assaulted <laughs> with the tank by by the woman escaping. The noise. The noise. The it noise. Makes-
5: The fully employed by this tech staff when he gets smacked in the face with this can.
3: You ready? You have that tape? Yeah. Hey, I think they want you. (laughs) I think they want you. I think they want you. (laughs) (laughs) I think
5: they want you. (laughs) (laughs) It's a good bomb. He he deserved it. He deserved it. (laughs) It really
3: rings out. It rings out. Yes. Yeah. It's like, yeah. We're radio
5: people. Like, we appreciate that <laughs> shit. Yeah, I know.
1: That's like some of them belongs on Prairie Home Companion. You know, the guy. Here, no.
3: <laughs> <laughs> what did they use for that sound? For the Klong? Yeah, for the Klong. I but think they went to an actual cryobank. <laughs> 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 they waited for someone with a communications degree. They're basically journalists. Yeah. Yeah. journalist. put that so. communications degree to
1: work. The Klong.
3: <laughs> okay, one person liked the joke. That's good. <laughs> So one of the potential mothers and potential suspects is Jocelyn, who is a little person who has been fighting with her doctor.
5: He wanted to use an embryo that would become what you'd call normal size. I wanted an LP.
4: LP? Little person? You wanted to purposely create a child with a disability.
5: Size is not a disability. We have normal lifespans and lives. Why shouldn't I be allowed to have a child who looks like me?
3: Why shouldn't she have a child that looks like her? Elliot's child is bald.
5: <laughs> okay. Can we talk about the beginning of that scene? Right. Because I know that our audience, most of you have not seen the episode, or not seen the beginning of that scene, but the sight gag they do is they put her on the top of a ladder. so that Those
3: library ladders, yeah. We,
5: the audience, just thinks they're talking to a witness and then she walks down the ladder progressively so then then we understand that the witness is actually a little person and it feels to me as an audience member like the actress knows what's happening right yeah. which is both at the same time good and bad did you guys feel equally uncomfortable by this entire like 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 staging of this scene
2: i did feel uncomfortable about it And I spent a good chunk of my life as an actor. And depending on where you are in your career, you just do it. You just say yes. You're like, I really need this role. Yeah, that's perfect. That works out
5: great for me. I get to do my message, and I'll do whatever you do to, to, like, whatever you tell me to do in order to get that across. Yeah. Well, at the end,
2: she's got that dig where she's like, I think you would have noticed if the
3: suspect was four foot one. (laughs) (laughs) So I was like, that's, yeah, it's not her. They were trying to give her an opportunity to advocate. For little people, because sometimes Law and Order does this ham-fisted kind of thing. Where they're like, "Well, let's talk about the other side," and like, go ahead and tell us why the Proud Boys are more than just a club that you know, a huge <laughs> join. Do you feel like like they're trying to like say you're not a you're not a punchline while making her a punchline?
1: I think what happens in a lot of Law and Order episodes is that. You know, somebody gets it every episode, right? Somebody's gonna get a little shout out, a little call, a little callback, and that's. It's just interesting in this episode. That's the, that's the group that was chosen to be like, you know, this group needs help in this episode, and and it came off as the, the reason it came off as a sight gag.
5: Yes, it was kind of like. Is Stop this really the, the best ladder. way to go around? The ladder though? was not necessary.
1: It, there, it could have had like a like a comedy trombone maybe sound when the ladder maybe came. Maybe
2: dignified and yeah. not include the ladder. You did feel like they were trying to trick you, and it's like, yes. why do I have to be tricked out of knowing this is a little person? Correct. You know, that was the message there. Correct. Yeah, not cool.
3: So later on, uh, we meet the heads of the Value Defense League, which I'm sure they are the only two people in the Value Defense League. (laughs) Their names are James and Victoria Grawl, and they're holding a press conference outside of the clinic.
4: Fertility clinics are death camps. People have a big problem with Nazis practicing eugenics, Mm -hmm. but no one's bothered that doctors determine which embryo is the purest and then destroy all the rest.
2: Or donate them to stem cell research.
4: It's genocide. Give us a minute. Turn off the camera. Who are you? Yeah, who are you?
3: Because I'm just going to interrupt your press conference and then find out who you are. <laughs> By the way, he goes, uh, Hey, turn off the camera. And the camera is like, No, this is what I'm sure stuff's going to get really good. <laughs> 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 like, oh, no, I am not stopping now. Yeah. So Benson and Stabler go to see a couple that has some frozen eggs. They discover that this couple has a severely disabled child, which. They assume has nothing to do with the stolen embryos, but then...
4: Alicia's taking high-dose estrogen treatments. Turn her into a baby-making machine.
1: We only did one collection cycle. I'd be her surrogate. You'd be giving
3: birth to your own grandchild.
4: She wouldn't be the first. A 51-year-old woman in Brazil just carried twin boys for her daughter. Did the daughter have a say in it?
3: Please tell me the dad is not fertilizing the daughter's eggs.
5: Oh, my God. So much it's going okay, on. Okay, so that was okay. Well, we we talked, qu- about today, Wait, is issue, is- talked
1: about this earlier today because this is well, an issue. You guys
5: talked about this earlier today.
1: Well, we talk-, talk about
5: this all the time. <laughs> it's, it's Friday,
1: it's on, um, no, but we were talking about this notion of uh, I'm trying to understand the DNA and how we were tar- trying to understand the DNA and how it works when you are a surrogate to somebody who is you, your mm-hmm. child. Right. What happens to when it comes to the DNA? Does that mixture similar to what you would see if you you know, brothers and sisters were to get together. Some, some Mixing DNA of different levels that aren't usually mixed. Like, what
5: All right. Your, your question was much more intelligent than mine was. I have a simpler question. Yep. They were saying they get hate mail. They get, I'm like, why do people know about the super fucked up situation <laughs> that you've created? Did you guys start a blog about it? <laughs> are you putting it on your Facebook page? Because they did this super private, weird thing, which they say other people are doing. Who told people that they were doing this thing? I think it was
1: because he said we're in medical journal.
2: I found a lady online who asks outright. She's like, my daughter's willing to donate her eggs, which is very different. Is the daughter eight? No. So it's a a very different situation. But this woman asks, can you remove from her egg my husband's chromosome from the original donation so that we can have a child with just my chromosome? The answer is you cannot do that. So it will be your grandchild no matter what you do.
5: Oh, cool. Hey,
1: Can we talk about the, will, will we talk later about that actor who plays the dad? Yeah,
3: actually, why don't we get to that? We have a couple of Hey, It's That Guys. Hey, it's
5: that guy. Oh, look at those guys.
3: Let's go around the, the, the horn here before we get to him. We have a, you've seen this face before, but can you tell me the name of the actor who's playing James Grail? Oh, yeah. What's
5: his name? That's Mark Moses.
3: Yeah, Mark he Moses. That
4: life begins at conception. Embryos are human beings. We wouldn't hurt a single one.
3: A five Law and Order universe appearances. He's best known as Duck Phillips in Mad Men and the hapless Lieutenant Wolf in Platoon. He was also on Desperate Housewives as Paul Young, widower to uh, Mary Alice Young. In both the movies, Deep Impact and Seeking a Friend for the End of the World, both times he played the TV anchorman who broke the news that the comet is about to strike the earth, killing all of us. Congratulations. Fool me, fool me once, Mark Moses. Shame on you. Fool me twice. Shame on me. Uh, we also have a Hey, It's That Girl. Hey,
0: it's that girl.
3: <laughs> so can you tell me the actress playing his wife, Victoria? Hannah, you know. Janine Turner, my friend. He sounded so sincere. It
4: was... You know, it was the first kind word I'd heard all day.
3: Ah, <laughs> uh, you remember her for her Emmy and Golden Globe nominated performances as Maggie on Northern Exposure. I remember her for her dramatic work in the Restasis dry eye medication ad campaign. <laughs> <laughs> she was working with Ben Stein. It was some good work there. Yeah, uh, she and was also
5: Friday Night Lights. Friday Night yeah, Lights. Medicine, yeah. Friday Night
3: Lights. Steel Magnolia. She has been romantically linked to several celebrities, including Troy Aikman, Mikhail <laughs> Baryshnikov, Sylvester Stallone. What? And she has a daughter with Jerry Jones Jr., the son of Dallas Cowboys owner, Jerry Jones. What?
5: Oh, my wow. God. She's an interesting individual. Sylvester
3: Stallone.
5: Yeah, that one I cannot believe. Is Parade,
1: the magazine Parade, still made? This is a quick aside. Is it, I, I I think it was, a, I was at somebody's house and somebody's mother had the Parade Magazine and it had Sylvester Stallone. It was like 87. And it just said like, it's Sly. <laughs> <laughs> and it just, was like, <laughs> <laughs>
3: this is what Parade Magazine is all about? Yeah. <laughs> See what Still she's going to turn down. Yeah. Uh, in 1983, she was engaged to Alec Baldwin. Wow. But she decided not to give it a shot. <laughs> oh, no. you oh a- you're all friends with Alec Baldwin. Kiss oh, my ass.
2: <laughs> Too soon.
3: Too soon. Too late. Uh, who's playing kidnapped frozen egg victim Ava?
0: I got caught up in my career and time just got away from me, you know. And I was in complete denial about my biological clock. And then I got cancer.
1: A That's- heart a heartthrob of mine. Like really? no true. Cause one of my favorite movies in my youth and actually it was the same time when I lo- watched that episode on tape, Gabrielle Anwar, uh, from the star of things to do in Denver when you're dead. Yeah. And if you've seen things to do in Denver when you're dead, Christopher
3: Lloyd, Christopher I Walken, you were Bill say Nunn, Treat Williams. Yeah, and uh, Gabrielle Anwar, She's in Once Upon a Time, Three Musketeers, and For Love or Money, but her most memorable on-screen moment was Dancing the Tango with Al Pacino that's in Scent of a Woman. That's what
1: you were going to say. Oh, that's, that's her. Somebody should put a flamethrower
3: to this place. That's Scent of a Woman. She's the, be- the beautiful yes, woman who the like tango. she's like a real yeah. it
5: girl for a little while. Former it girl, Gabrielle Anwar, yeah.
3: Uh, she was also Fiona on Burn Notice. Playing sidekick uh, to yeah. actor Jeffrey Donovan, who is currently the Law and Order lead detective Frank Cosgrove. Well, look, can I just say one last thing? Which of is, of course, uh, h-
1: how is it America watched a movie and it was called Scent of a Woman, and we were all like, "All right, <laughs> <laughs>
2: Scent I, of a Woman." I was bugged about. I watched it in high school, and I was like, "I don't
0: think this is right." <laughs> this
1: <isn't laughs> and in the theater, we're gonna, you know, spray it.
3: Out <laughs> and...
0: <laughs>
3: what if it was Smell of a Woman? That would be Smell big, of <laughs> a yeah. Woman. <laughs> Just smell of a guy. Like, <laughs> You'd be dancing like this. <laughs> but who's playing Dr. Belch at the clinic?
4: I'll give you his face. I don't support people who take an actual life. I want to
0: James Grawl sued, not dead. I have no idea who this man is.
3: I know who
5: that is. Who is I it? Too. Uh, Richard Mazer? Yeah. Yeah, he was in The Thing.
1: That's how I knew him. He was one of the, he was the big burly guy with the beard and the but thing. But
5: I also know him from Transparent as the guy who actually was able to give Judith Light an orgasm. Remember that?
3: <laughs> he's no. like
5: Buzz and Transparent. Never his name is Buzz. That. Yeah, that's Buzzy. That was, how Buzzy. Is that that was how he his does character's that? name in Transparent. Is that how
3: Buzz does?
5: I'm just saying. <laughs> that's Buzz what Buzz does. does. Yeah, yeah, but he's he's wonderful.
3: Uh, yeah, a lot. I know him as David Kane, Bonnie's boyfriend on One Day at a Time. Uh, he's had more recently recurring roles, like you said, in Transparent or just the new Black Picket Fences. He was nominated for a Primetime Emmy for playing Farrah Fawcett's defense attorney in The Burning Bed. Oh, and he was also nominated for an award by the Directors Guild for directing the ABC After School Special. Torn between two fathers. <sighs> wow, which father was he? One? He wasn't. No, was just director. love the names. Oh. Yeah, he wasn't either the fathers. He was also nominated twice in the same year as worst supporting actor by the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards. <laughs> Apparently, the Oscars aren't the only awards that are a slap in the face.
5: Oh, <laughs> eh. no, soon. that was, I
2: do I think that wasn't bad, Kevin. Well, bad was fine. That okay. wasn't bad. All
3: right. Oh, we have a repeat offender.
4: Repeat offender.
3: Who is playing the chief of detectives? Rebecca.
4: I know this
5: one. Who is it? That's John Shuck.
4: Elliot, I understand you're a proud new papa. Hmm. Oh, is this is the uh, little tyke. Yeah, Eli. Hmm. Well, that is fine work, detective.
5: Gross. So gross.
3: <laughs> How Good many word. takes
5: did he say papa? Yes. Yeah, <laughs> so gross. So he played a Klingon ambassador in two Star Trek films, yeah. The Voyage Home really? and the Undiscovered Country. Yeah. Uh, lifelong Star Trek fan. It's the only thing I know him from, aside from his Chief of D's appearances. Yeah, by the
3: way, the Chief of Detectives is known as the Chief of D's.
5: Which is amazing.
3: I, how would you like to be in charge of all the D's? Well, no, I...
5: It's like that
2: vitamin D... Like health promotion. that's not
5: You hard. need the D. You yeah, need you the need T. the that's not what that the
3: <laughs> John Shuck was on McMillan and wife. He was painless, the suicidal dentist in the movie MASH. And I knew he was
1: painless. Painless in the movie MASH is reputed to have a massive a uh, massive, D? Of, massive amount, D. amount of vitamin massive D. D. How Paul. How did I miss that That's one? how yeah. he's
3: the chief of D's. Yeah. He <laughs> yeah. was also Herman Munster in the 1980s, 1988's The Munsters Today. By the way, he is credited as being the first actor to use the F word in a major motion picture. He's going down in fucking history. Really? Yeah. Did you say what movie it was? MASH. Oh. oh. He okay. used the F word in MASH. Okay. Can you tell me who is playing the egg-harvesting father, Mr. Harvey? Alicia can't turn
4: herself over. We carry her to the dinner table, give her baths, put her in a stroller to take her for a walk. This is for your convenience.
1: Who's that? I looked him up because I thought it was Fred Armisen. Um,
4: (laughs) It's not Fred Armisen. It's not Fred Armisen.
1: And then I saw who it was. Who is it? Uh, And I actually had to write it down here because I could not believe it. Uh, It's the son of Sam Waterston. James Waterston. Yes, son of Sam Waterston.
5: Son of Sam. Son of...
1: (laughs) He has the widening eyeballs. He does. But he doesn't do the head (laughs) shape. It's a
3: little bit. His voice was starting to crack a little bit. Last time we saw him, he was the congressman in the SVU Pizzagate episode for Law & Order Universe appearances. How did he make it? I'll never know. (laughs) He had his screen debut as Jared Pitts. In the Dead Poets Society, he was the third kid to stand on the desk in the end, which is the most important one, because two kids on a table is a coincidence, but three is a trend.
5: (laughs) Okay, so the next time my kid is like, Mom, you can't help me get a podcast job. Can you please show him this fucking episode of SVU? Please.
3: You know who else? who, Who else's kid got on for a year? Jerry, Jerry Orbach's kid. Yeah. Um, Chris Orbach played Little Briscoe on the first oh. season of SVU. He was Briscoe's nephew. <laughs> uh. And that's it. He, you know, I don't know. I guess he's, he's been in more episodes than James Waterston. Though. Or any of us. Or any of us. That's true. I haven't been in any. Do you know the actor playing Scott Ryland, the husband of the Army reservist? The hot guy? Yeah.
2: No, but I did think of him as the hot guy. Yeah. So, yeah.
3: Well, the hot guy, his name is Kevin Kane.
1: She just wanted to serve her country and made her proud. Kelly was a supply truck driver and a suicide car bomber attacked
3: her convoy. Uh, he'd go on to win a Primetime Emmy and a Peabody Award for producing wow. the variety show Inside Amy Schumer. Oh, my God. He also won an award from C-SPAN for Inside Chuck Schumer. LAUGHTER So can you tell us the actress playing Jocelyn, the little person who wants to be a mom? Nope. That actress is Meredith. I
5: think someone would have noticed if the thief were four foot one.
3: (laughs) She's had recurring roles in family law and Boston Legal. She plays Maddie Weber for four seasons on the reboot of MacGyver. She's MacGyver's boss Hmm. and a fan favorite. You going to say anything about like there's no little parts? Oh, Oh, no. no. All right. Do you recognize the delivery man?
2: No. The, the, oh, the, the guy with the truck. The, the truck or... delivery man. Here he is. Hey, what the hell?
4: Police <laughs> emergency couldn't wait
3: on you. Uh, that is Jason R. Moore. He was Curtis in Marvel's The Punisher series Punisher sidekick. He's also Jack, the lead vampire hunter in the new Netflix series First Kill. No one knows. All right.
5: All right. Clearly you went deeper into the IMDB hole than we did.
3: His Instagram is photos of him at Comic Cons and golfing. (laughs) The whole thing.
5: Just like mine. Just
3: like yours. (laughs) All right. But finally, tell me the name of the actor playing the clinic janitor.
2: Well, the guy they confront in the locker room.
3: Yeah. You don't know? know. mm Someone in the
5: audience needs to know.
3: That's Elmo Delgado, aka. Louise on Sesame Street. Oh, my
5: God. No. Oh.
3: Last
4: week, she told me not to come in Sunday night. Of course. She said I could put in for it anyway. That's
3: embarrassing. How did you not know that? I, no, I, now I'm ashamed, ashamed. Kevin. Humiliated. I'm, you're all humi- you're humiliated? You know what he does? He's the janitor and a cryo <laughs> He comes in with the money. And he used to run Sesame Street. He goes into the rooms where the magazines are <laughs> with the mop. How did you go from playing with Oscar the Grouch to cleaning up knuckle chowder?
1: Do they still have magazines there? Or is that kind of, that's kind of like, oh, that's adorable. Just
3: bring in your phone. Magazines. I want to know, Nick. Yeah, let's all find out. Still have all kinds of magazines. <laughs> yeah. Well, I
1: got this job opening. I'm really interested in looking into <laughs> communications degree. Yeah,
3: bring it on a hundred bucks a
1: sample.
5: Yeah. <laughs> But I mean, only I, if you're Ivy League. Yeah, I'm not Ivy League.
3: <laughs> Poor Luis. He's like, hey, put your, whole, your warm hand in this felt sock. <laughs> boom, boom. All right, so I think we have probably one of the best sight gags ever on uh, Law & Order. This is from Munch.
1: We getting anywhere? Well, we had our <laughs> sketch artist do a rendering. That's one of our victims. Should I put out an APB on him?
3: Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, Munch.
5: This is, this is the moment... <laughs> When I think of this as being one of my favorite episodes ever, <laughs> it's because of this one
1: thing. I wanted to say I loved something about that psych gag of uh, the, the picture. So at the very f- the beginning of the episode, you learn that these embryos have eight cells. Mm-hmm. And then he holds up the picture. And it's like somebody who works on the show is like, make eight little circles in there. It has <laughs> eight exact circles in the middle. Somebody did their homework. Yeah. Yeah. Prop assistant. For once the sketch artist got
3: it right. Yes. <laughs> Uh, he also has another great line. They're talking about a whole new group of suspects, and, like all these siblings that were sired by the, f- the same father. This is what he calls them.
1: I got one. 13, actually. Meet the masturbated race. <laughs> the donor
2: <laughs> I didn't pick up on it the first view through. And the second one was like, oh, masturbator race. Get it now. <laughs> yes.
3: Good. Uh So as they're searching, Olivia uh, befriends eva who froze her remaining eggs before she had uh, some cancer treatment and she has this discussion in a diner
0: do you have kids <laughs> uh, no no don't you want them
3: I... yes i do very much so what are you waiting for it's like every time someone talks about their biological clock, they zoom in over to Olivia's face, like she's the kid who says he sees dead people <laughs> in the sixth sense. I was—I
1: wrote down how many times did somebody mutter to themselves, "Man, I would have had a kid, but then I waited too long." Yeah, the <laughs> time like is all- running
2: out. Is this theme of just like the clock
5: is just ticking and ticking? Yeah. The urgency. It's yeah. Just like anvils. Now, listen. I know you are not an SVU fan, Hannah. However. There are anvils raining down around Olivia Benson for years around children. Okay. This episode is like anvils pelting on Olivia for years and years and years.
3: So after declaring that he made his babies the old-fashioned way, (laughs) good work, Papa. Uh, Elliot tries to be supportive as only he can be.
4: You know you'd make a great mom.
3: Oh, my God. I'm not having this conversation.
4: You're great with kids.
0: Yeah, I know.
4: Look, maybe you should start thinking about having kids in any way you want to do it. I'll support you.
5: Ellie, do me a favor. Yeah. Shut up and drive. By the way, should I just mention that the three of us work together? Can you imagine having this conversation at work? <laughs>
3: No. Could you please stop talking about my uterus? <laughs> Did you have to put it up on the big wall? It's work. The big chart?
2: No, it's, it's, it's the like, you should really start thinking about it. That's the like, throw wine in your face comment.
5: That's like.
3: You don't think I've been thinking about it?
5: <laughs> also, it's work. It's work. Also, it's work. Yeah. <laughs> They're literally, it's like, they may as well be in the copy room. They're at work.
3: Yeah. Can we go back to thinking about this eight year old who's having her eggs harvested? Exactly. <laughs> Alicia. Don't, don't take your eye off the ball, Liv. So once they learned that Carol, the receptionist, was the mole who let Victoria Grawl in to steal the tank, Benson and Stabler go to make an arrest, and they're giving a TV interview when it happened. I think
4: what this stuff highlights is the fact that, that, that embryos are human beings and, as such, have constitutional rights.
3: You want rights? How about your right to remain silent? <laughs> oh, <sorry. laughs> <laughs> on live television i mean just come on into the studio there you go i get a minute a cop could come up here and get you nick it <laughs> would be the best episode if you of this hired show somebody that's ever been made by the way how do they know where to find them it's because they just like just came on the air Where they have like Google alerts on coming up next on. What podunk
1: TV channel were they on? They could just walk on some sort of OAN network.
3: (laughs) Bust through the door.
2: Does Lauren Order ever have a psychic? Do they ever have a
3: cop psychic?
5: Maybe she's behind the scenes. I I
3: think Martin Short came on as a psychic. A, he you did. know, a funny psychic. And he,
5: he did. That was a great episode, by the way. Another
3: one of my favorites. Another one of your favorites. Okay. <laughs> we'll be back next Thursday, folks. More of that. By the way, how impatient are they? It's not a telethon. They'll be <laughs> off the air in 10 minutes. It's Get like them then. It's like a four-minute hit. I think it's kind of like, hey, come on. I got it. I dare you. I dare you. Come on. Let's do it. Pull them right up. <laughs> Pull them out of there.
5: <laughs> Jamie Stelter won't mind. New York won. That's what's happening right now.
1: Is the SVU better or faster at getting crimes like brought to court than like the non-SVU? Because why else? Well, then why would the, uh, you know, the the king of the D not just have it taken care of in the regular precinct? Like, why take it to the SVU? Are they known he said, to be faster?
5: if this isn't a special victim, then who is? And I'm like, nobody. <laughs> or everybody. But why not take it to the regular old unit? Exactly. What, the embryo unit?
2: No, no, I mean a special victims a very, to very nick- Are they fast?
0: They only
1: have eight cells downtown
3: That's keep <laughs> those <key laughs> people for those crimes Every, oh, Very good, eight cells All right, now let's take a look at the second half of this episode With the clock ticking Benson and Stabler grill James and Victoria Grawl On where they stash those embryos Time is running out here, James Now you may not believe in science But it is very real here
4: So does what's being done to them There's only a small fraction that will be implanted. The rest will be destroyed. The ones you took won't be viable in a few hours. Drastic measures needed to be taken. I had to get people's attention. Tell us where they
3: are, and we will give you a full press conference. The Grawls say the embryos are safe because they've overnight shipped them to the cryobank. But just like most Amazon Prime deliveries, it's been delayed. The squad chases down the delivery truck and rushes the package to the clinic, but it's too late. The refrigerant has evaporated and the eggs and embryos are no longer viable. The Grawls are facing assault and grand larceny charges, but they want to be charged with murder for letting the embryos perish. James Grawl does the most dangerous thing possible. He holds a press conference on the steps of the courthouse. (laughs) That's when he's killed by an unknown shooter who flees the scene, like usual. In the Raw News footage, they spot the shooter talking briefly to Victoria Grawl. Carol, the receptionist, recognized the man as the husband of Kelly Ryland, an Army reservist who had her eggs frozen before shipping off to Iraq. At Scott Ryland's apartment, Elliot and Olivia find the murder weapon and a note that he's heading to LaGuardia for a 245 flight. That's when they learn he's not fleeing. He's waiting for the arrival of a plane carrying his wife's body home from Iraq. He said she'd frozen eggs so that they could still have a baby if she were killed in action, and now he's lost them both. Okay, so Victoria explains to Finn and Lake that bringing attention to their cause in the uh, the Christian way about these embryos. People need to be told.
4: That there are organizations out there that will arrange for the adoption of unwanted embryos.
3: That's great, especially
4: for all those gay and lesbian couples in the market. They are only put in suitable homes. Straight, Christian, and white.
3: We're not racist. There are Christians of all colors. Nobody's adopting embryos, Victoria. (laughs) They would like to really adopt these embryos. Why do I get the feeling the Grawls care much more about children before they're born than not so much after they are?
5: Um, next question, Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, mm,
3: I know what you're getting at. Yeah. It's like Herschel Walker. No abortions with the exception of me.
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think you've answered your own question. I answered my, my own friend. question. All right.
3: So their plan to return the, uh, the Lindbergh zygote by FedEx truck. Uh, They FedEx it to they FedEx the tank to the cryobank, but the delivery is late. So they chase this one delivery truck all over Manhattan and break in to find the packages. And they're just throwing packages everywhere. You
4: should have made a prompter delivery.
3: Come on, it's got to be a big container.
4: Right size, wrong address. There's a section going to Park Avenue. No, Hudson Cryobank. Here it is. That's
3: it. All those fucking boxes said <laughs> <sit> fragile on. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone, wing, wing, wing. Is this why my kale is wilted with the blue apron? Because, right? What was the
5: brand on the side of that truck? It was not FedEx, it was some other side. No. It, was, it
3: was Hudson University delivery. Uh, did you notice there was a padlock on the back yeah. of the delivery that they had to cut? Why? That's why the driver's late. Everybody's got to take the key out and, you know, oh, I got to find the right one. And why do they got to break in the back? Why can't they just go in that big open door on the side of the van? It's like when they're driving around, they're like hobos on a freight train and they just damn, the whole world go by.
1: I was surprised at the rapidity with which the bolt cutters came out. Just yeah. kind of like, they, like Bugs Bunny had him behind his back. It just can pop a lock on a van.
5: I love that Munch was able to track like Driver's on the 23rd floor. He just just scanned a package here and there and there. I'm like, well, then why can't you figure out where the fucking truck is? Why is there even a chase happening right now? It was pretty remarkable. Also, you should have used priority. Just going to say, like, you checked the wrong box, Christian weirdos. You should have used priority.
3: (laughs) Don't cheap out on your cryo bank delivery. (laughs) Uh, So James Grawl is committed to his beliefs. And after the embryos are lost... He belie- and he believes that life begins at conception. He wants to be charged with murder, and he's feeling really
4: guilty. I've tried, but they won't give me the names of the parents of those embryos. It's
2: none of your business.
4: I want to express my condolences. If any of them are having funeral services, I'd like to attend.
3: Great microscopic cells, please. Uh, I've never been to an embryo funeral myself. <laughs> He
1: didn't even uh, offer to pay for the funeral. No. <laughs> I would like to attend.
3: I imagine it's much like an, an Irish wake that after your first beer, you don't care who's dead anyway. <laughs> what do they do for this for like a graveside service for embryos? They take like dig it with like one of those little spoons you get ice cream samples with. Uh, put like a speck of dust on the gravestone. There you go. The- or just like an eyelash. I don't know. <laughs> uh, so, remember the Seventh Noble Truth? The courthouse stairs are the deadliest place in New York. <laughs> Did
4: you shoot up? I don't see him.
3: By the way, we've seen he's given three interviews and he's never got to finish one of them.
5: <laughs> <laughs>
2: also, Olivia wore a hoodie to court. What's up with that? I know the gray hoodie. And I mean, it looks maybe like it's a cashmere hoodie See, or something. See,
5: outerwear is something that not only I noticed, Kevin. Yeah. No, not I noticed made. that for sure.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it was like she's just kind of given up. Like, screw it. <laughs> <laughs> Couldn't find the embryos. Just, I don't care anymore. We're talking about going to funerals for yeah. cells
3: now. <laughs> You wear black to an embryo funeral? (laughs) I I assume so. (laughs) So towards the end, Liv opens up about, you know, what's been eating her this whole time.
0: Elliot, a few months ago, I looked into adoption.
3: That's great. They turned me down.
4: What are you talking about?
3: Well, I'm single. I don't have an extended family support system. I work all hours. They didn't see me as prime parent material. They're wrong they may not be wrong <laughs> <laughs> by the way all the things she listed none of those things change and yet she was able to get noah from a dead drug dealer
5: i would like to say all of those things are also true for elliot stabler yet he has <laughs> 11 teen fucking children yeah. <laughs> that is sexist as hell just gonna say it
3: well he does get them the old-fashioned way Rebecca. Well,
5: true true
3: so Carol identifies the shooter as Scott Ryland. He's the husband of a soldier who froze her eggs before shipping out, and so they bust into his home looking for clues. Live.
4: Nine millimeter Browning.
3: That fit as our murder weapon.
4: Good thing to know he doesn't have it on him.
3: Because he knew he couldn't get it on the plane. LaGuardia 2:45. When you take a trip, is that all the information you write down? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Logan, 7.30. Okay. <laughs> I, I no enjoy, terminal. No
5: bear line. I enjoy the very police scientific way of picking up a gun with a pencil and picking up a pad with your fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. That's how I plan to do it all... It smells like it's
3: been <laughs> shot recently. Yeah.
2: Can I ask, is Benson always that appalled? The, the entire episode, she was like, the whole time (laughs) she just always okay so it's not just the child thing it's always appalling it's benson face benson face resting benson Benson Benson
5: face face. (laughs) yes
3: so they figure out the actual reason the murder suspect was going to the airport was because he was not fleeing his wife was killed in action and he explains why he chose to kill Grawl for destroying his wife's eggs that's why she had her eggs frozen If something like this happened,
1: we could still have a child.
0: No way, I always have a part of him.
3: And Olivia's like, I'll take that dick now. (laughs) (laughs) There's a guy to have uh, surrogacy with.
5: He seems, but I need to point something out. Yeah. His wife's eggs were frozen. Right. That container had frozen embryos in it. It I had think, a
3: lot of things in it. It had a diet soda. I, I in it.
5: think he made I think he made a mistake. I honestly think he made a legit mistake. I think his wife's eggs were in a different place. And I think he made a legit mistake. And I don't mean to like this is a very sad ending. I think he made a mistake. I really do. All I could think was dude, we were told a hundred times during this episode. In this canister, there were eight-cell embryo embryos. All And literally, the doctor tells us at the beginning, oh, no, 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 there were eggs frozen. Those are different than embryos. We're told that four times. He made a mistake.
1: On a separate note, I was quite moved uh, when I watched this about the fist thing. Like, uh-huh. No, I'm <laughs> serious. A, is that a real? Is that a thing? Does anybody
2: know? Yeah. Because it was very moving. It? It's I not a real like, thing. Okay. Oh, it's
3: not a real thing. Oh well, I thought You it was mean Lawn Order got something wrong?
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Then why make that stylistic choice? Why make that up? Well, that's
1: interesting.
3: See, they have the big boing for the yeah. assault, but they don't have... Are you going like to play
1: that. the very last line of the episode? I hope not. But no, was no. Okay. What was, what was do you last guys line? remember what the last line no. of the episode is? No. He's like, you know, you're going to do time for this. And then the guy says, do you remember what he says? I'm like
2: oh, who cares my time's my already time out. Run
1: out re- my time ran out already and she's like out there like one last anvil <laughs> <laughs> my time ran out already
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, poor Liv and her y- withered uterus uh. let's take a look now at the real life story that inspired this episode it's time for a rip from the headlines you think you know
2: who did you it you think you know who did it but you don't know
4: While only presented as a red herring, part of this episode was inspired by the controversy around the medical treatment given to a child from Seattle. The girl, known only as Ashley X, was born in 1997 with a severe brain disability. Ashley could breathe on her own, but couldn't move, communicate or feed herself and required constant care. At age six, Ashley began showing signs of puberty. This presented her parents and caretakers a new set of challenges. Doctors proposed a series of procedures that would, in essence, prevent the disabled child from growing up. Surgeons performed a hysterectomy, which would prevent Ashley from menstruating into her diaper. They removed her breast buds to prevent discomfort from development. Oestrogen therapy was used to stunt her growth. They also removed her appendix, noting she'd been unable to communicate pain if it needed to come out in an emergency publication of what was termed the Ashley Treatment was extremely controversial among those who care for the severely disabled. Many biothesists said the comfort and long-term health benefits outweighed the invasive nature of the procedures. Despite the ongoing concerns, the Ashley Treatment is still used in rare cases today.
0: Wow. That's
3: uplifting. So let's keep this laugh ride going, shall we? Yeah. Um, This is called growth attenuation. It's sometimes called Peter Pan surgery. What do we feel about performing a series of invasive treatments to improve her quality of life? And wrong answers only, please. Are you really asking us what we think about this? It's it's like one of these... You can see both sides of it. It's none of our business. <laughs> That's of our what b- I think. Well, I've we're here it. on stage. So now it is our literally our business. Well,
5: I'm going to literally say I've n- I could not imagine being in that situation. So therefore, it is none of my. Yeah. I mean, honestly, I don't even I can't even. Can you, you guys even imagine being able to answer that question? No, you
2: couldn't unless you were inside of it. Right. In that yeah. parental situation.
1: There are the, Yeah, there, there are certain situations that are so specific that anything that we can use to justify any choice we make are not applicable.
3: Yeah. yeah. Advocates for the disabled are very upset by this. There are uh, bioethicists, and doctors who say that it's a difficult treatment, but the benefits outweigh the negatives for someone in this situation. I don't know. They, they're they smarter. They're all smarter than I am. But I have to ask the civics 101 people and say, let's get civical. Uh, we talk about the concerns of the parents. And the doctor's advocates say that Ashley's constitutional rights were violated because she was not represented in any proceeding by a disinterested third party. So does the Constitution protect Ashley? I think Ashley has constitutional rights. Ashley
2: Ashley has. has Is that all you're asking, whether or not this human being has constitutional rights or whether that particular point leveraged against them? is accurate.
3: Well, I'm not a lawyer, but I have seen them on television. Mm -hmm. And I -hmm. would say that probably her 14th Amendment rights You make an argument that they may have been violated, Uh, you know, because in Washington, the state law is that you have to get a court order before performing an involuntary sterilization on a minor or a disabled person. Obviously, the parents want something, but you can make an argument as they kind of did in the TV show. This is for your convenience. You're going to, you know, uh, this isn't for her convenience. Others say, you know, without it, this is very painful for her. And this is this is one of the only ways to give relief. Neither of those, those sites are representing Ashley in a disinterested way, you know, like a guardian ad litem kind of situation. So I'm wondering really about her rights here. Do we think that she deserves um, a more aggressive legal representation? I don't think it changes perhaps the outcome but should that be a consideration for future people? In I this?
2: think it would be on the state to assign her some sort of representative mm. who would then probably do exactly what her parents did, which is go to doctors who know, be, be, the, the, ostensibly the people who can assess quality of life, right? Because what the, what is that? How mm. do you really assess that one way or another? Um, and then that person would make the decision based on the medical advice of a doctor. I would think
1: this is. So similar to something that is far more common. This, this, this specific test case is extremely on the fringe. It's unlike, it's probably one of a kind, right? Every day in the United States, people are wrestling with the idea of sh- you know, should we end this person's life? Yes. We should do a quality of life assessment. And everybody, in, in every single case, it's like, I don't know. Is yes. this what the person would want? I don't know. And there, you know, there's all these stories of people who are fighting with family members. I'm more concerned about should, the people who said, I know. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. That's fair. You know. Yeah, but the thing is, like, if I, you know, if it was my dad, I would be the one who'd be like, I know, and I think I would. But you don't know because that person can't give their consent because they're unable to because they're sick or they're dying. Um, You know, that's really hard. And each each test case is is so personal, individual that I don't, I have no idea. And that's
5: why the Constitution, like, is useful and useless at the same time because they don't like write a thing for that. Right. Well, you know, what does the 14th <laughs> amendment
1: say about, you know, equal protection, equal protection under the law. And yes, equal protection under the law for all. And it involves the States too. in trying to figure out, you know, anyways, uh, I don't know how the 14th amendment applies. You to said this was like a one
3: civic one, one of a kind case. It's not in the years since there've been over a hundred procedures. Like that for similar cases. Um, today, Ashley is 25 years old, and Ashley's parents maintain a blog. It's called. She was uh, I think she, they dubbed the term "pillow angel" for oh, a very. Well, I don't
5: you, like that. I don't, don't like any that? branding around this kind of bullshit. No, That's you, just my personal. Okay. Load. Yeah. Uh,
3: <laughs> the The blog hasn't been updated since 2018, but Ashley was holding steady at 65 pounds and 53 inches, same as when she had the surgery. Uh, her severe scoliosis has been stable for the past 15 years, which really shocked the specialists. They thought that was just going to get worse. And after 18 years, they finally got a diagnosis to her condition. It was uh, they decoded the genome and they found an issue with GRIN1. It, related, it relates to brain development. So a mystery solved for them. I will say, if you are going to research this case and you Google Ashley X, These are not the photos you're going to see. I will say that the Ashley that I saw, her breast buds were just fine. (laughs) Uh, That is going to do it for us. We want to thank our (laughs) guests, Hannah McCarthy and Nick Cappadice. Thank you. Hannah, where can our listeners follow you online? Well, you can follow me at
2: at Hannah McCarthy NHPR, but don't. Follow Civics 101 (laughs) at Civics 101pod because I'm a terrible tweeter unless it's for my job.
1: Nick Capodice where can our listeners follow you uh, you can follow me at, at civics 101 pod and I think I'm uh, I think you know I, I was riding that train out this morning on Twitter and I'm looking at Mastodon
0: yeah
2: so
1: I mean I'm not at the level I can give my Mastodon handle <laughs> on from a stage
5: what but, is uh, oh wait no you it's think I think it's at
1: Capadice. Dot Listen, Newsy dot social. That's not a
5: thing yet. It's not a thing as the time of the publishing this podcast. Nick is policy. convinced. He's convinced, convinced
2: because he he believes that he is always at the beginning of every important trend. What I was vaping
1: the- way before anybody else was doing that fucking <laughs> like two thousand and five. That is early. I used to wear, you know, hunter hats in Brooklyn, and then everybody started wearing them all the time. <laughs> New Balance sneakers. You did
3: New Balance, yeah. huh? Merrill wow. shoes.
1: I used to say to my friends: the lace is finished,
3: friends. <laughs> Merrill shoes. I'm trying to end this podcast. <laughs> I just so sorry. Rebecca Lavoy, how can our listeners follow you online?
5: At Rev RevLavoy on Twitter, motherfucker. <laughs>
3: And you can follow me at Real Elon Musk. You can also tweet to us at Law & Order Pod or follow us on Instagram at These Are Their Stories Podcast. Our newsreader was cartoon Cy Freighter. Our theme music was composed and performed by Uncanny Valleys. Content assistance from Travis Roy, Lily Flynn handles promotions. To get ad-free episodes of These Are Their Stories a week early, sign up for Stitcher Premium. All clips in this podcast were used in compliance with the U.S. Copyrights Act Fair Use Exemption for Criticism and Commentary. Go to LawAndOrderPodcast.com and sign up for our newsletter to be our next Law & Order Marathon winner. These are their stories was recorded in front of a live audience at the Bank of New Hampshire stage in Concord, New Hampshire and is a production of Partners in Crime Media.
0: Partners in Crime Media.